I hope you set your alarm. It was a bit easier for me. It was 7 a.m. 4 a.m. for you, Amit, this morning? We're not going to reveal to the listeners how I was awake for this game. We don't. You don't want to oh, know. Oh, no. Oh, no. He never slept. You never slept. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> I inferred that, though. Uh, uh, regardless, a good decision on – I mean, I don't know if the whole not sleeping thing was a good decision. But a good decision to be present for the match that we witnessed this morning, Amit. Yeah, it was worth it. It was all worth it. That was uh, that was awesome. <laughs> this is the World Cup After Dark podcast. He's Amit Malik. I'm Austin Miller. And we are both shell-shocked. Because this morning, we witnessed probably the biggest upset in World Cup history. Argentina 1, Saudi Arabia 2. I still can't really believe that this is a thing that happened. And, I mean, I can understand how it happened, but I also really can't understand how it happened, Amit. I'm with you. It feels like a fever dream. Like, Argentina, well, we're going to talk about it. Argentina were not good, obviously, to lose, but they weren't, like, particularly bad. And Saudi Arabia did some fun things, but they weren't particularly awesome. But there were two goals in, like, a flurry, and Argentina didn't recover, and... I'm with you. I really can't believe it happened. It's it's truly a shock. Like coming into this tournament, we thought Saudi Arabia was probably a bottom three, four yes. squad on talent, and we thought Argentina was a top two. We picked them to win. Yeah, <laughs> my picks have, have not gone well so far. This I World mean, Cup. I'm not ready to to change it. Which is we'll talk about this game, but what a shock, man! And and to do it in front of a, a very pro Saudi Arabia crowd. It was, and there were Argentina fans too. Obviously, it was a great game. Great game. I think the the overriding emotion is one of just like shock because Argentina got a really soft penalty to take an early lead. They had many chances to break a very adventurously high line from Saudi Arabia. They broke it on multiple occasions. They were offside by varying degrees on all of them. Went to halftime at 1-0 and kind of a, yeah, that's pretty unfortunate. Probably should have scored a couple more. It's fine. And then, like you said, in a seven-minute span, Saudi Arabia scored two goals pretty much out of nothing. With the second, a particularly fine golazo that gets better every time you watch it on the replay. And then before you know it, Argentina are down 2-1. Saudi Arabia aren't playing their high line anymore. And they just couldn't find what they needed to get this goal back, a great goalkeeping performance. And you're just kind of a disbelief because like you said, Argentina wasn't awful in this match and Saudi Arabia wasn't incredible. And yet it finished two, one to Saudi Arabia. What? It, it, it was really weird. And if you look at the, the XG, which I think is really interesting in this game to talk about, it was like 0.1 for Saudi Arabia with two goals yep. and Argentina was right around one and then plus the penalty, which gives you 0.7. So you could say 1.7, you could say one plus a penalty, one goal. I, they, It's just like both teams did this expected thing and then their outcomes were way, 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 way different from that. And in the same game, like, I, I, I think this was a perfect storm. Like, I'm giving, I want to give full credit to Saudi Arabia. Like they, you don't beat Argentina in a match without having like deserved some of it, but 
really, really weird game. And Argentina put the ball in the net four times in the first half. Yeah. It's just that two of them were a hair offsides and maybe one was not so offsides. I, I don't know. I don't. And then, you know, I was a little disappointed that Argentina couldn't get the second once they were down one, but I understand they were shocked. Saudi Arabia, as you said, was no longer playing the high line. They were bunkered in. Their goalkeeper made a handful of really nice saves. Um, some headers that Argentina got that if they had headed the ball a little harder, maybe it would have been a harder save, but credit to him for having to be acrobatic. I, I think Argentina were as stunned as we all were. They could not believe what had just happened. Yeah, and like I think the very reductive way to look at this is like, oh, Argentina overlooked Saudi Arabia, blah, blah, blah. And I don't think that's no, what I don't I, think so. Like, yeah, I'm with Saudi you. Arabia played significantly better than I expected them to play. I'm sure they played better than Argentina expected them to play. I'm sure they played better than anybody expected them to play. But it's not as though Argentina was sleepwalking through this match. They were on fire in the first half and they seemed to kind of know how they should attack those Saudi Arabian high lines. And it's just every single time the offside trap worked. Yeah, they had the right game plan. They were trying to draw Saudi Arabia deep, get the line 10, 5 yards from midfield, and get a guy with space, and then send it over. And they had really good runners. It was Messi, it was Lautaro, and just, you're right, the trap worked, and it was so fine. And (sighs) it was really weird. And then in the second half, when Saudi Arabia dropped the line and kind of bunkered in, like, Argentina did okay to create chances. I mean, I thought Messi ended up getting a lot of the ball around the box for him, which was good for Argentina. I'm not saying he was bad. I thought he was fine, but there was no just that extra moment you need when it's a bunkered team to like get that magic to tie the game. He did have a free kick, you know, very in a really dangerous spot. And that's when you, you texted me like, oh, this is, this is totally off. And I was like, yeah, the belief that you said the belief is gone. And I was like, it, it did feel like they just, I said it again. They were just like totally stunned. Yeah. And, and there was almost this sense of like, this is seriously happening. And, and kind of everything that the world cup has kind of weighed on Argentina in the past few world cups seemed like it came rushing back. And all of the goodwill that was gotten by winning Copa America, by having a super great, you know, qualification cycle, by being one match away from setting the record for most unbeaten matches from international team. They finished at 36, 37 was the record. It felt like all of that just washed away. And now I don't know what we're going to see from Argentina. I think that's what's really interesting about this is this could go a lot of different ways as we'll get to. This group is by no means over. There is not a big power sitting in to make Argentina pay for dropping points against Saudi Arabia. Mexico and Poland were by no means super impressive. Argentina are a point away from advancing out of the group. They're three points off a Saudi Arabia team that might not get another point in this group, right? Everything is still in front of them. It's just this was so unexpected that the response from Argentina is going to tell us so much about this Argentina team. And obviously, you know, Captain Obvious here, it's going to tell us what they can do in this World Cup because they have to respond because if they don't, they could be going home very, very early. I don't think Captain Obvious is like the – like it, it, no, it's very important to, to state that because every team that 
goes in deep runs in World Cups has to face adversity. Like, you just, you don't skate to a title unscathed. You don't skate to a quarterfinal unscathed. Even in this podcast, we've talked about all the favorites are going to get to a quarterfinal and play a tough team and see what happens. Even on that road, there are going to be moments. And Argentina, as someone mentioned, historically have been a little slow at World Cups, right? Yeah, but... I think I, I 100% this, understand this. what you're saying. Your tough moment probably shouldn't be losing to Saudi no, Arabia. Yes, and I'm not saying that's the toughest moment because Mexico and Poland are going to play well, but it's more like they they almost were afforded a slip-up early. Yeah. And that's more what I meant. It, if you're going to get a wake-up call, moments, but yes. if you need a wake-up call and if you are going to get a wake-up call, it's better that it comes with time to correct it, I guess. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's a fair way of looking at it. Yes. And to go back to the XG, the overall approach, I think Saudi Arabia were lucky. They They were good, but they were lucky. And I think it's still unlikely they pick up another three points uh they'll be good if they can get one more and certainly four puts them in a dangerous spot but i think argentina are going to be fine if they keep playing like this i think they just you know gotta gotta be careful the margins are a lot slimmer yeah but the like, margin of error is gone yeah. and i think that's an important point is that you know a performance like this obviously can happen in a World Cup, small sample size and all of that, but it can't happen again. And Argentina right. have to be on top form now in the last two games yeah. of this group. There's no margin of error, and you're probably not going to get an opportunity to do things like rotate players. You're already, yeah. you know, like that's all out of the question now, and it's a it's a scrap to get out of the group. Yeah, and that makes this next game with Mexico a massive, massive game. You can't lose. You can't lose if you pick up a point here. You're feeling dicey, but you're still alive. But if you if you're down to zero points after it, like what's it's your chance? It's completely out of your hands at that point. Yeah. Um, can Saudi Arabia do this again? Do they need to do this again? Like what? Oh, that's a, that's a that's a really so, good. Point. Yeah, go ahead. So let's give Evernard a ton of credit here. One fantastic looking as always. Got <laughs> the three points probably just because he looked like he did in the white dress shirt. Um. I think they had a really good game plan in that they played that super adventurous high trap for 45 minutes. And then in the second half, they knew that they couldn't continue to do that. And yes, they fluked into the goals, but they took their chances, low event football, et cetera, et cetera. And then they kind of kept the, the, the high, the, the low block and they defended well and they got a great goalkeeping performance. So I think they adjusted very well in this match and they deserve credit for that. And now going forward, what will this team have to do to try and get out of this group? Because it might not be that complicated. Right? You pick up two more points and you're pretty pretty good. You pick up a win and you're you're good for sure. I mean, it's almost impossible to not get through on six. I think that it is it not... is impossible to not get through on six now that Mexico and, and Poland yeah. drew that. Yeah, you're right. That that game would have had to have been a win to get to yeah. that scenario. I, I think to your point, I also the you know, little cliche, but it was they weren't afraid of Argentina, and that was what was impressive yeah. with the game plan. Because I think if you're playing a good team, it's easy to sit back and think, okay, we need to deny them a ton of chances and then be opportunistic, which is what they did, but not by like inviting pressure. They and despite Argentina playing really well in that first half, all of those offside chances don't count towards 
because XG, not legal. right? They're, they're not, not legal. legal. So like, you know, it, it matters in how we evaluate, but they were, they were all successful defensive plays and ideas. So I think they, they can do this. They probably don't need to be as lucky um, when they play Mexico and Poland, who are going to right. create significantly less than Argentina did. And on the whole, while they were lucky, holding Argentina to one non-penalty XG in 90 minutes is pretty good. They oh, were, yeah, they were very good defensively. And, I, and I, that's what we kind of expected from them going, like like we looked at what Havernard had has done with them. They played really well against the United States in a nil-nil draw in September, right? They've been really solid defensively, and now they're going to go up against two teams that have not shown themselves to be super potent in attack. And there's yeah. a path out of this group for sure for Saudi Arabia. Yeah. For sure. I think they de- they were, if you want to look at the most luck, it was with finishing to uh, really, you know, low quality chances. But I liked their approach in the second half. Definitely they made a point in the first 15, 20 minutes of the second half. Let's get a little numbers forward. Let's get on the Argentine back line, which they had been playing higher up the pitch all game. But I think it bodes well. I'm not I, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but Mexico and Poland flawed for sure. We'll get to them. Anything else you want to add on, on this game? This was just a completely wild experience. And I think there's <laughs> yeah. just this sense here in, in Argentina of just like shock more than anything. I don't. Like, obviously, there's disappointment, there's anger and everything, and, like, there's this sense of, did that really just happen? Because of all of the things that could happen to Argentina at this World Cup, this was not on the cards whatsoever. This was never supposed to be the moment it got difficult for Argentina. There was a lot of ways that this World Cup could get difficult for Scaloni's team, and Saudi Arabia Game 1 was not supposed to be it. Um, yeah. And so with all of that, it just, I don't know, I think let's see what happens on Saturday, right? Like you wake up the next day and the feelings are probably a lot different. I think, again, I didn't think Argentina were terrible in this game. Obviously it's a really bad result, but I don't think the sky is necessarily falling in. This doesn't feel like it's 2018, but the margin of error is completely gone. And also uh, I love the Argentine broadcast here. So when you're watching on Argentine television, you have two options. You have the the over-the-air public channel, and then you have a cable channel that's also kind of government-funded. And you have to pick between the two which stream is fastest. And you have to watch on cable. If you watch stream, you're toast. You're done. Because everybody, <laughs> anytime a goal goes in, you scream. You, you yeah. yell goal, right? So you have to have the fastest – you want to be the fastest stream in the neighborhood. Um, <laughs> and so I was watching on, on TV Publica, right? Uh, the Saudi Arabia goals, you've heard Latin American, Spanish-speaking announcers, you know, what they do on goals. And when it's against your country in the World Cup, you don't do that. And so it was just like this, like, yeah, total golazo. shock. Que golazo de Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Dos uno, Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Just like this. like the, Yeah. Well, in that note, the Mexican-American, broad, the Telemundo broadcast yeah. call of the goal was great. And the be in Arabic call yeah. of the goal was great. Yeah. So go experience I'm big, the. I'm a, I'm a big goal call fan. I yeah, love. Oh, for I, sure. Yeah. Fire we, up we, all the we broadcasts. both are. We yeah. both are. All right. Let's move on from Argentina and and Saudi Arabia, and let's actually go to the other game in this group. Yeah, I think let's that talk makes about sense. Mexico Poland. So they played more soccer after Argentina Saudi Arabia today, which was just wild to me because wasn't what I was expecting to happen. It just kind of felt like the day was over. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's more. 
Um, this was an interesting game. Great crowd, super awesome atmosphere. And I feel like I'm kind of Dennis Green on Monday night after the that Cardinals-Bears game or whatever it was. <laughs> These two teams are pretty much who we thought they were, right? Totally. We nailed this one. We knew Mexico, Poland, both talented teams, but not that good. Poland, very conservative, have a great striker, don't give him a lot of the ball. Mexico, going to use the ball a lot, going to dominate the game, but they're just not going to have a lot of finishing or quality on that final ball in the final third. And that's pretty much exactly what happened. Mexico controlled the whole game. They were solid. Um, they got a lot of crosses in. Those were their best chances on a few set pieces and some crosses to the back post. But they, at no point, had a great chance, right? Yep. No point they had a great chance. And then, look, Poland stumbled into a great bit of fortune with a really soft penalty. And Mexico Memo, baby. Mexico Memo is back. Uh, you you have to love any time you create this bit, right, of, of a character and then they just always come up, and it was like, oh, it's Mexico Mamo time. And guess what? It was Mexico Mamo time, and he kept this at nil-nil for Mexico. And yeah. good on him because super soft penalty. Like, come on. I, I get that there was a jersey tug, but that was six of one, half dozen of the other. They're fighting for the ball. It's loose in the box. The goalie's off his line. Like, that's not a penalty for me. It shouldn't be a penalty. And I'm happy that Ochoa made the save in order to prevent Poland from sneaking out a pretty undeserved 1-0 win. This was a fair result for what happened in this game, right? Totally. I think so. I think, you know, Landon Donovan, who was on color commentary in the USA, he was talking about should they be happy, should they not, which we, we should get into. But he was saying at the moment, well, anytime your team gives up a penalty in a tie game and then you come out of that with a tie, that's a win. And yeah. I do think, you know, we're Mexico – should they have done better with all that dominance they had in terms of the balance of the game? Maybe, but to, to give up that penalty and walk out of there, that's a good feeling. And it totally, things are different after the very first result of the day. I, uh, I don't know that Fox should be letting Landon Donovan call his second team, his second favorite team, Mexico, <laughs> as we, as we found out before the 2018 world cup, I feel like well, there might be some bias there. I mean, they let Stu Holden call his first favorite team. It's true. So it's true. I think they're just, <laughs> just trying to give him some good games. So after this game, I met Tata Martino, who we talked about in our, our preview pod with John Arnold, under fire, probably not going to be Mexico manager for very long. He said it was a good performance for Mexico. The only chance Poland had was the penalty. Very difficult game. Uh, after we saw the other result, I think we did well. We never lost order. I think he's correct here. Like Mexico were the more likely team to score a goal. It's just, they were probably never going to score a goal in this game. Um, and they mm. didn't give Poland anything. And I think there's, yeah. there's, there's some credit to be had for that. Can Mexico now get out of this group completely toothless in attack, at least at first blush? Uh, it's really tricky, right? Because we think they're better than Poland. But in our heads, the way we saw this going was if this game, Mexico-Poland, is a draw, then it comes down to who's putting more past Saudi Arabia. Which is and, no longer the case because Saudi yes. Arabia is sitting on three points and now they're a force to be reckoned with themselves. Right. So that and, totally throws this group into disarray. Yeah. So then maybe it's can you be the team that steals a point off Argentina, a very motivated 
Argentina, which uh, I think hurts Poland. There, obviously, both teams are going to face a motivate Argentina, but there was a chance, perhaps, that Argentina could have been uh, unmotivated on the final day against Poland. Right. That's just not going to be the case anymore. But I, <laughs> I don't know if like I still like Mexico's chances. I mean, Saudi Arabia right now is in the best position of their group. But do either of us think that Saudi Arabia is going to beat out Mexico for the second spot? I, I think Mexico, despite their finishing problems, can find a way to beat Saudi Arabia because that's the game now that – and for Poland too. So then is their finishing the issue if they can't do it as well? Like it, it's you talked circle... yourself right back to the start where we started with this group, right? <laughs> and I have. I just literally talked myself on the circle. But the answer is I like Mexico, but – the proof was not in the pudding in that game. No, I think the answer is that this group is now really fascinating and it's totally. gone from being one of the groups that we felt was probably the most boring and the most predictable. Mexico is going to play Poland. Let's see who wins has mm-hmm. now become, we have this, you know, kind of wild card in Saudi Arabia. We don't know if they have a repeatable performance in them. Let's see Argentina hugely under pressure now a relatively inexperienced manager, a relatively inexperienced side. You know, a lot of these players don't have a ton of World Cup experience. Obviously, they still have Lionel Messi, one of the best to ever do it. Um, what response does Argentina bring on Saturday against Mexico? What does Tata Martino have for his home country on Saturday? What happens between Saudi Arabia and Poland? Because that's going to be super important for what happens down the line in this group. This group is now super fascinating, and it's all because... Saudi Arabia picked a goal also out of a hat and then their goalkeeper stood up big for 40 minutes yeah. and they stunned Argentina. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thankful. <laughs> this yeah. is what makes the world cup. Great. We've got two really good match days in this group coming. Uh, I think guaranteed drama, whatever happens. So full, full, you know, full credit to Saudi Arabia for, for giving us this insane, giving us the, the first shock of the world cup. I, I think that's mostly it from this game, right? I think we both, feel the same way about Poland and they kind of I'm so sick of Poland in major tournaments like no I mean they oh it's just they like were so, do they were something like don't they don't like, do anything they're not bad they're not good they don't do yeah. anything they didn't do anything four years ago they didn't do anything in the last euro it's just like what are you I you have nothing <laughs> you yeah have no interest whatsoever to me you add nothing to this tournament their their only offense all game was Robert Lewandowski gets in a tug of war and the referee yeah. thinks that Lewandowski got fouled and then he <laughs> he bricked his pen honestly no yeah. he, he took a fine pen but it's kind of funny that Lewandowski their only real attacking force did score their best chance uh yeah let's 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 be done with this one uh I think, Denmark I, I think sorry ahead. one more no, thing on this I think I, I I hate myself for saying this but I'm really interested to see what happens between Poland and Saudi Arabia right because now, like we said, that match now has so much hanging on it for both teams. It's not just pressure on Poland, Saudi Arabia. You know, Saudi Arabia might sit back. But they have three points in the bag already, and, and it, it makes it a super interesting match. Um, and obviously, Argentina-Mexico has a lot on the line. Denmark, nil. Tunisia, nil. I mean, we got a nil-nil game, but this was really fun. This was fun. Tunisia really surprised us, another team that we thought was in the lower quadrant of teams at this world cup. They were really up for it. The crowd was awesome. They were not scared of Denmark. They were really aggressive 
with Denmark and not letting them get comfortable. Um, really great performance. And then they had some, they had some chances. Yeah, I chances. think. I think one thing we kind of, I don't know that we necessarily did this, but I think one thing that was maybe overlooked a little bit at this World Cup was the fact of how close this World Cup is for a lot of those, the North African countries, and obviously, you know, Saudi Arabia, Iran, those sorts of countries as well that are in the general Middle Eastern area. And that means that a lot of Tunisia fans can travel. I imagine tomorrow we'll see a lot of Moroccan fans who will be there as well. Um, and that is really cool because those fans are insane. Um, I remember when 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 Tunisia sent a club to the Club World Cup a couple years back. Just insane scenes to watch the Tunisian team play in you know the quarterfinal of the Club World Cup in the Middle East. So they certainly brought the atmosphere. I think it gave Tunisia a little bit of a lift, and they. I don't know that surprised me is the right word. I didn't have a ton of priors on Tunisia. I watched them a little bit in Afcon qualifying, but not a ton. Um, they were good, and I think they were well-deserving of their point, and they were almost admit, the most likely team to win in this match. I think so. They, both teams had good chances. Denmark did have one that they, they couldn't put away, but I, I was impressed. I was impressed, and I think we did say, okay, Denmark is a good chance to get through, has even a chance to top France, and I think that's totally changed, totally yeah. changed. I think Tunisia's full on uh, in this group now, and I like them to, you know, take care of uh, Australia. So now it's can they put a few past them? Can they nick a point on France? Talk about France. France looked pretty good, but um, it's almost this is what we thought Mexico Poland might have been. Right. Yeah, and I love my man Lyduni in the midfield slides into a sliding tackle challenge in like the first 15 seconds of the match and just gets up and just full on lion roar to the crowd muscle signs. Uh, he also a bit looked like a dude who was making all of these challenges, but also hadn't made a challenge in like the last seven years. Like it was like today <laughs> is the day where I'm going to become a track back midfielder, but it's never happening. Like it might happen the for the rest of this tournament. But this, after this, I'm going to go back to my club, and this is never, ever going to happen again. Delete the footage. But I'm here for today, and I'm going to do it. And it was incredible. It was an awesome experience. It was so much fun to watch him play in this game. It was. It was. And all of Tunisia really had great buy-in. And look, I, I think the 0-0 zero, zero, uh, was frustrating in that we, as a neutral, didn't see any goals. But I think it speaks to the first game approach for a lot of teams yeah. in this tournament, you don't want to lose that first game. Uh, and it speaks to Tunisia's overall uh, cohesiveness. I mean, Denmark is a talented offensive team and Tunisia more or less took them out of the game. I, what I was more impressed that they were also able to create a little yeah, bit. Tunisia chances approach this game, trying to sit back, withstand pressure and, and hold off. There was a, clear plan of how to attack Denmark. There was a clear will to go forward. There was a clear desire to create opportunities. And I think they benefited from that, obviously. And I also thought that Tunisia did a really good job the second half of this match of getting fresh legs onto the pitch. Because, look, they're not a super deep team, mm. but they were cognizant of the fact that the legs were going and they got fresh legs on to chase down. And so when this match opened up, they weren't caught out by the fact that they had all these tired old guys on the pitch. They brought in fresh legs and that helped them run down some of those Danish chances and continue to kind of provide what they needed to, to 
to keep this result at nil nil and then obviously to to see it out in the end. So I think they deserve a lot of credit for that. And I I don't know what did you make of Denmark? Yeah, that was that was my next have part. You, is have like, you changed what you thought about them? I I I think Denmark is good. They're better than the Polands of Europe. Um, I. I did, you know, mention, I was like, oh, are we putting a little too much stock in their run at Euro 20? Because they're yeah. an overall good team, but they don't really have too many match winners. I mean, their best player is, their best three players in their midfield are what? Delaney, Hoiberg, and Eriksson. And Eriksson is a creative guy, and he, he picks a lot of good passes. But the, the Danish strikers today, I think you saw, were... We're good, but not able to get in really good spots, make really good runs, put Tunisia under a lot of pressure. And I think we've seen some of the other strikers in this tournament kind of force of will their way into better chances for their team. And that wasn't the case. So I'm not, I'm, I don't feel that much worse about them, but I think I just was coming in on you them. Were low on them anyway. I was lower. I still thought they'd get out of this group. Honestly, on the balance of it, I still think they'll get out of this group. But. Maybe not. Maybe not. I think so. I'm going to really show our podcast what sets us apart from the other shows out there on the World <laughs> Cup. You know, um, I've pulled up my favorite page, the only research page I have for this podcast, which is en.wikipedia.org slash wiki slash 2022 underscore FIFA underscore world underscore cup underscore squads. You know, Book just market. the squad list. Why is Martin Braithwaite and Yusuf Poulsen not getting in this match for Denmark? Like, I, I, I don't know. They could literally. Question. They could literally both be hurt. They could have—I I don't know. Like, it—it fe- it certainly feels like those guys would have given you a lot more than Andreas Cornelius, who appeared to be big. Like that was his thing. Like keeper more, but not skilled. It's a very good point. I—I I think Denmark' approach to the second half was let's get a target guy in here. Uh, we're we're not going to have space to run and stretch behind, which. I haven't seen Polson or Braithwaite with Denmark. I actually I have in the Euros and I, a little bit, but like I know them from their clubs. Yeah, and they're both pacey forwards. Uh, Polson, he's really tall, but he's like a stretch the field guy. And I think they were just thinking like, there's not going to be a lot of room behind Tunisia uh, to get in. Now I I'm just making that up. There could be there yeah. could be a reason why they didn't play, but I I think they're very clearly more talented than Cornelius yeah. so like well, why not put them in uh, I don't know it's one game for Denmark though and they could like they they didn't really get out they didn't really get into a good gear all game and that might that's on them but that was also Tunisia's game plan so let's see if they could click a little bit right let's also give some credit here to the the Mexican referee Cesar Ramos in this match who had an opportunity to completely spoil this match with a, a late trip to the VAR monitor and just was not having it. Said no, we're we're not calling a penalty in this match. And I think that was the right call, and it was a good call because there was a moment. I think I texted you this with like half an hour to go, where I was like, I've got this sneaking suspicion that Denmark is going to just pull out a one nil result against the run of play and fairly undeserved. Here. I think you worry that, that was for, the moment. Yeah. That was the moment. We worry that for every European team, and it was Poland, Mexico. They tried. They tried. Yeah, yeah I know it was. It was there. Yeah, both. <laughs> Poland and Denmark both had the opportunity to get that exact result, and neither of them were able to take advantage of it. So yeah. I guess that's a win for us, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, 
Anything else uh, on this match here? I think this is a group that now gets a little bit more interesting. We're interested to see what Tunisia does. Obviously, we're interested to see what Denmark does, particularly now that that they're going to go up against France in their next match. Uh, this group more interesting than when we started the day, right? Totally. Tunisia being at least in the same uh, level as Denmark, and then definitely in standings, uh, is what is a surprise to us. And I think. Denmark have to really be careful against France because they could go win this game, but you don't want to play France first and give up two, three, and then tell Tunisia on last match day, you only need to ship. You could bunker and play for one, the whole game. Yeah. So, and again, we're looking at a a possibility where France are probably, if they beat Denmark, they're going to be through most likely. And so then you get into the question. And again, France B team is probably pretty darn good. Yeah. But yeah. Um, Let's talk about France a minute. We had a great day of World Cup action. We had four games. It felt like a lot because it was a lot. And you get to the last match, it's like, all right, what do we have here? And you kind of expected this to go one way. And in the end, it did go that way, a 4-1 win for France. But Australia scored first in this match. And for about half an hour, this was pretty interesting. Yeah, Australia went forward on the front foot. They moved the ball around. France were... Possessing the ball is normal, but they were a little toothless. And then on the first goal, uh, really, really bad marking from Benjamin Pavard at right back. Uh, and then, look, I, I, it was bad defending from Lucas Hernandez, but he He's might have injured. <laughs> he might have been injured on that sequence. So, like, so, yeah, it, it's tough. That happens. And look, France did the thing where they just responded. They didn't panic. And uh, you mentioned it. It was almost bad for Australia to score. Yeah, they that scored early. way too early. But you saw in this game that Australia's best game plan was to go to a four-five-one, draw a deep line, and hope that France couldn't break them down. That France would just get it in its own way. And full full credit to France. I think this was the best attacking display of the yeah. tournament. Even I mean, England look- six goals. They just they had their way. They had their way with uh, Australia and. All their attackers played well. There's a very clear gap in talent between these two teams. And, you know, give Australia credit. They scored first. You know, you also need to give credit on that goal, Amit. Oh, little uh, hockey assist. Yes. little hockey assist from Stoke City center back Harry Suter. Back after his horrific injury at the Olympics in 2021. Finally back playing. Going to lead the promotion charge for your mighty, mighty potters down the stretch. Going to rise up from 16th in the championship where we currently sit. The only Stoke City player at this World Cup, already leaving his mark, should probably be playing even more. Had a really nice tackle on Kylian Mbappe. I don't know about you. He's my man of the match. My man of the match here. For Australia. No, I, no, 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 no. Everybody, everybody. Give him give one. Give him one, yeah. I think Tottenham have had a player, current or former, in every game except for two. They didn't have uh, the Ecuador-Qatar game, and then there okay. was... Yesterday, let's see if I can do He's this. Thinking off out loud, should have probably done this head. before the podcast, but it's should have fine. probably done this. Netherlands, I know for a fact, had Vincent Janssen and Stevie Bergwijn. Uh, can you help me with the other two games from yesterday? England, Iran, obviously. Oh, okay. USA, uh, Wales. Yeah. Okay. So the both they both did, yeah, and then today, was- all of them. Argentina. Wow. Had Kuti uh, Romero. Denmark yeah. had uh, Ericsson and Hoiberg. Mexico, Poland. Oh no 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 oh. no. Oh. No, no, oh. no. There you go. There's your second okay, game. So there it was. So 
That was great audio. That was that was great podcasting. That's going to get us to the top of the charts. Leave us a five star rating if you like thinking out loud about whether there was a Tottenham player in the Mexico colon game. Um, France are really good. They have yes. a really good attack. They also suffered another injury. They're up to like four now. That's probably not great. Yeah, at some point the attrition has to hit. They're so deep that their C team is still probably good enough to be a contender at this tournament. But uh, these things add up. So uh, I did think Olivier Giroud showed his class time and again. Uh, Obviously, Benzema is a little bit better, but not so much that France couldn't still win this whole tournament with him going. Uh, He was good enough for them last time. And then Chouamani, close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's good. Close. Confident. Confident uh, as well. He was good. He was really good uh, bossing the play. Let's see him against a team that's going to pose a little more two-way threat. But um, Yeah, that's not running out like 17 different players in the Scottish League, but not even for Celtic and Rangers. Yeah. Uh, I was impressed with France. I really yeah, was. Yeah, look, like the ingredients were there for this to be complicated and a meltdown, right? Like they didn't score first. They were down a goal. They lost another starter on that play. They're now down four, two midfielders, Benzema and now Hernandez. Like the ingredients were there for you to walk away from this, like France. And you didn't walk away from that with that feeling because they were so good in attack. And you feel like it's going to be a while before we see France get tested at this tournament. And that's probably a good thing for them. Totally. And I do think a lot of people were saying this online. I agree in the eye test. Um, uh, Lucas Hernandez, when he came out, Theo Hernandez helped them. He was yeah. really good on the left side with Mbappe. Much just, more attacking. Yeah, and I think that helped France. You know, I, I know Deschamps leans conservative, but France attacking stuff is as good as anyone's. It was Australia. We keep saying this. Let's see, but credit to them. Yeah. Also, can somebody get Didier Deschamps a cigarette? Like, he just desperately looks like <laughs> he, he wants needs one, one so at bad. every single moment that they cut to him. He just wants one so badly on the touchline. Bring back the 1970s. Let's get Didier a cigarette. Very quickly, Australia, is there anything going forward that gives you, like, ah, oh, they can do something in this group? For me, not really. I, I was impressed on their goal. It was a yeah, really nice piece of play. But overall, it's just it's going to take too much for them to survive 90 minutes against Denmark and Tunisia. Yeah. Um, I think maybe they could, you know, have competitive stretches in those games. And with a little bit of luck, who knows? But no, I I, I do think they're pretty clearly the worst team in this group. And so they're going to have trouble. Uh, all right, let's talk tomorrow. I mean, oh, look, there's four more World Cup games. And there's something interesting about all four of them. Which one are you most looking forward to? Wow, this is a really, really good slate of games. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. You could make a case for any one of these for being favorite. I think you I can think... make a really good case for three of them. Okay, yes. I mean, yes. Spain, Costa Rica, let's start there. It is a, if this World Cup decides that it wants to go further after dark. Right? Correct. That game shouldn't be fun. I'm just excited as a Spain stock haver, sure. a Luis right. Enrique believer. Yeah. I'm excited to see if they just go full hog and have a ball. But no, the game I'm most excited for, I think you could pick any of the three. I'm excited for Germany, Japan, because Japan, very popular dark horse pick. Many people think they can get out of this group. I think they certainly can. And Germany, you know, a very talented team. I think one of the most, but they have a striker issue. Japan's going to press them and come in like aggressive. And Germany, 
is going to play similar. Like these, this is going to look to me the closest thing to a Bundesliga game at the World Cup. It's going to be hectic and fast, and I'm hoping for a lot of goals, some late drama. This should be a really fun game, you, but uh, uh, a lot on the line for Japan because they they need to yeah. nick a result against either of the two powerhouses and ideally beat one of them. You know who's on the call on that game? No, for please. FS1 tomorrow? Derek Ray, baby. Oh, oh, he's ready for Bundesliga these Bundesliga man himself. He's ready. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited for that one. I think Morocco-Croatia is really interesting because Croatia were obviously the surprise team four years ago. They're four years older now. Morocco is a team that has a lot of really interesting players on it. They've made a coaching change recently. They looked a lot better. I think that's going to be a really fun game, and I imagine that the Moroccan fans will make it a really great atmosphere. So are you getting up tomorrow for this one? Yeah, I've I've done my my sleep, uh, no sleep card. I got a few of those this tournament. Okay. I burned one. No, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna get to bed nice and early tonight. I'll wake up uh, for for it. I'm planning to. I mean, you never yeah, know. Yeah, I've yeah, I've never been know. in my uh, olden days to sleep through sure. some alarms, but yeah. uh, we'll, we'll be ready. We'll be ready. Then the one we haven't touched on: Belgium, Canada, Canada. Another really interesting team. There's the big Alfonso Davies question mark. Is he healthy? Is he healthy enough to go 90 minutes? Is he healthy enough to go an hour? Is he healthy enough to go half an hour? What role is he going to play? And Belgium are interesting because it's a major tournament, and Belgium are once again like theoretically among the favorites. And I'm not thinking that they're among the favorites. So it's a it's a good match to close out the slate tomorrow. I think this Belgium Canada game. I'm with you. I think Canada have the tools to hurt Belgium, specifically with their speedy players. If Davies seems like he's ready to go, Herdman said has said he is. Uh, plus David Laren if he gets in, Buchanan if he's in. So this should be fun and. Belgium are a class above Canada. I don't yeah. care. Like just are, but that doesn't mean that Canada couldn't Canada is the right type of team to make this interesting. So I, I'm excited. I think my biggest concern is the Canadian defense. I yes. don't know how it's going to be able to line up. And that actually could make this match really interesting. Like we could get but, like a four, two match here, right? Yes, it could be. There could be lots of goals and a goal either way is going to make this game even better. So that's yeah, what I'm and, hoping. And we... Roberto Martinez is certainly not going to sit back and play for the hashtag World Cup. That's not what he does. That's it's not, what, not he what he does. Um, and that's good. That's fun. Yeah. We like that. All right. We have time for one more big takeaway. One big question. I mean, I see that you, you threw a couple here on our preview doc. I'll let you pick one of them. What do you want to close this podcast talking about? Uh, I think we've talked about a few of these already. I think the one I want to ask you is, is there anything to the way that Wales' second half went, Saudi Arabia's entire game went, Tunisia's game went? Is there something to say that to you have to make your own luck at this World Cup and go after it? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think you're always more likely to be rewarded going after it than sitting back, right? Like, the teams who have been kind of a sit-back style team, like, didn't work for Iran. They got beat 6-2. Didn't really work for Australia. They got beat 4-1, right? I think there's something to be said for for going forward and having a go. And I think we have a couple of really interesting teams to kind of play that out with tomorrow, right? Like Japan are a team that is not as talented as Germany, but their style of play is not conducive to sitting back and absorbing pressure. They are a high-pressing, quick-moving, attacking and, and style Morocco team. is in the exactly. same boat. Morocco is exactly in the same boat. And I think Canada can be in the same boat. So you have three quote-unquote underdogs tomorrow, the smaller of the teams going up tomorrow that are all kind of capable of playing 
that interesting going forward style and putting pressure on the favorites. And then we have Costa Rica, which is the exact opposite, which is a team that if they did not touch the ball in the penalty area, but got a nil nil draw would take that right now. So I think you have an interesting kind of clash of styles there. I think the Wales tale of two halves is like a really good answer to this question. I know there's a little bit of results bias in that, but they sat back in the U S kind of handed it to them for 45 minutes and they went after it and kind of handed it to the U.S. for 45 minutes. It's not going to be that simple the whole way. And look, a lot of these teams that sat back so hard did it against some of the favorites. It's a little different when you play it against a team that's not necessarily top class. Then you get something that looks more like Tunisia, Denmark, um, which is a little more interesting. But I'm with you. I mean, I asked this question. I kind of had my own idea in mind, but maybe maybe we have results bias from the first two days. Yeah, I mean, look, and it's a World Cup. You're always going to have that results bias. What works is is going to be the type of thing that you point out and that you think is successful. One more for you. Four favorites tomorrow: Germany, Spain, Croatia, Belgium. All of differing varieties. Which one is or ones or nuns are going down, or are they all mm. going to win? I think Croatia is the most likely. Uh, I think I'm not game... looking for most likely. I want you on the record. No. I've no. had bad records so far this World Cup. Yeah, I need no. you if to go on the record. If here. we're going to put the pedal to the metal, uh, I think Germany will tie or lose. Ooh. I really like Japan in there. Um, I I want my heart wants to say Belgium is more vulnerable than Germany, um, but. I don't think Canada's ready. I think Japan I'm picking Japan because I like them the most the most sure. talented of those underdogs. That's why. Go Morocco. I think Morocco like are gonna get too. something off Croatia. And yeah. I think it'll be fun. It'll be a good way to start our morning. We hope you enjoyed ending your night or starting your morning or whatever you listen. I don't know. It might be like December and you're just wanting to relive the World Cup because who doesn't want to live the World Cup? We'll be back tomorrow for more fun stuff. This has been World Cup After Dark. Thanks for listening.